I'm feeling it today. I, I woke up today with my mind stayed on woke Jesus, but also. <laughs> you know that one? <laughs> woke no. up this morning with my mind, and it was stayed on. Okay, never mind. I don't. <laughs> Keep going, though. I might remember. <laughs> Welcome back to We Love That. I'm Kenyon. I'm Jerome, and today we are going on an international adventure. Uh, we're going to London, finally talking about Leanne Le Havis and her incredible album. We're going to Japan. We're going to the American South. We're all over. And we're reclaiming that time and space while we're there. So stay tuned. We're back. We should say that every week, actually, I think. <laughs> that Just we're back. Keep people on their toes. Who never knows when we're coming back? But this time, for sure, we're back. <laughs> yeah, so that every week, it's like, we could have taken... That could have been a hiatus that we didn't tell you about. Uh, but actually, we're back. So guess what? We're back. And <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing? Kenyon, it's August. Don't... Don't, <laughs> don't. Even can you believe? Come at me with time, first and foremost. That can you? The, be- it just doesn't make August. sense. Where did all this summer go? I was supposed okay. to have. <laughs> what so this things. has revealed to me is <laughs> what this has revealed to me is that you know when you're in school, you're like, oh yeah, summer break is so long. Like, ooh, the summer is so. But now that I've been doing the same fucking thing since March. <laughs> It's like, oh, every month actually is the same length. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, June and July are just more months. (laughs) So, you know, April, May, June, July, August. Soon it'll be, you know, Thanksgiving. Next time you look up. I'm sorry to break that news to you. (laughs) I mean, there is a way in which time, like, you know, can dilate. But it's so hard Mm. to feel that now that... We, I'm just inside all the time. Like <laughs> I literally was just saying to you yesterday that, and I can't believe I would ever say this, I, and I'll probably deny it in the future, but I was like, I want to have a G-Cal again. Like, I want to have, like, events, commitments, <laughs> reservations. <laughs> like, I, I just want my time to be marketed by... Anything other than like, you know, I wake up, I go to bed, that's the whole day. I think about you. I do think about you. Mm. And then I think about you. Oh. I'm kidding. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm lying to you. (laughs) Well, hey, this this was a, a thing on my calendar that said, maybe today we'll get together and we'll talk today. So... How's that for a reservation? Work. And here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Kenyon, let's have a moment for the world. I think the world deserves her moment. I think she does. The thing that that truly everyone should and is talking about. Well, I mean, since we're talking about it's a moment for the world, not just for these United States, but it's an international moment, right? Uh And this is an uh international star. (laughs) Okay, hailing superstar. <laughs> truly, truly, truly. Hailing all the way from London down, okay? <laughs> Just touched down. <laughs> One of Miss Leanne Lahavas has released the soundtrack to my inner thoughts, really. I'd say actually I'm gonna call it right now. It's the soundtrack of the decade. The next ten <laughs> years are going to be narrated by this album. That's you hear right. That Leanne Lahavas. Her, what did you say? I said, you hear that, Taylor Swift? We're not talking about her. (laughs) And I'd like to be removed from that (laughs) narrative, honey. Um, Miss Leanne Le Havis has released her third studio album, which is called, iconically, Leanne Le Havis. And when I say this girl does not miss, like, 
<laughs> no skips. There are no skips. There are no skips. And I thought like her 2015 album Blood is amazing. I, is amazing and is an album that for me is like uh this album is incredible and there are no skips. But no, she really did one on us. Truly. I mean, and she really assumes there are form. truly no skips. Like <laughs> the fact that this is her third studio album, but it's the album that like bears her name as the title really feels mm-hmm. like a like a actually this is the one that like I have really arrived now. Yes. And yes, for it to, like absolutely. the first two albums are amazing. <laughs> They're amazing. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm just so excited for her career after this. Like I hope I think she's gonna be with us for such a long time. God willing. And how lucky are we? <laughs> truly, truly. I mean, um, take me through just like a little bit of, of what you love about the album. In this moment, I mean, I wouldn't describe what I love about the album as little at all because I love everything about the album. (laughs) Um, first of all, let's talk about how her name and the album title are not even on the album art, it's just this incredible picture of her. (laughs) Like, that's a move, like, that's a move you can make, that's a move that she made because she is Leanne LaHavis, you know, (laughs) like, it's there, (laughs) like, her, her name is the name of the album. And that is the name of the image which we see on the cover of the album. Stunning. Um, oh, that's just so good. Uh, so Bittersweet was the first track, was the first single, which I'm into. Um, but I will admit that I was like, you know, it's a summer release. And I kind of was like, in the summer, I want like the pump up jam anthem. Right. Like, give me something that I can lose my mind to. And so Bittersweet was like, I like it, but is this the vibe, you know? Is this the vibe that I'm trying to go for? <laughs> um, and it turns out I was wrong and she was right. <laughs> she knew better than <laughs> me what I wanted. Um, uh, can't Fight, I love. The Can't Fight remix also is great. Yes. Um my favorite track. Let me do my favorite, and then there are some others I want to give a shout out to. <laughs> my favorite, of course, is Sour Flower. Work. I mean, it's called Sour Flower. Like, I have, what am I supposed to do? Not love that song? <laughs> I mean, the lyrics just take me on this one. It's like yeah. it's like the like the self belief anthem that like you need. Yeah, and she writes. In the little Apple Music notes, there are notes on every track. Mm, Apple Music, um, interesting. I hear that, yeah, well, get over it. Um, <laughs> I hear that Spotify does a similar, maybe it's the same notes, I don't know. But she writes for Sour Flower. Sour Flower is a phrase my great-grandmother used to say, meaning that's your Sour Flower, that's your problem, you deal with it. And that's just, I just think it's so great. It's just so, like effortless and cool and chill and not i'm that sounds diminutive like everyone's all oh it's the vibe like we're here for the vibes whatever it's just so like effortlessly wonderful and and effective and emotive i think the the thing that cements that most for me maybe not most but that the song is in five and like one wouldn't really clock like, oh, this is in a different time. Or it's just so, oh, like it just that's just how it makes me feel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the word for me is warmth, and yeah, that's absolutely. what gives me the summertime everything that I actually wanted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think my favorites on the album um, are maybe the interlude. <laughs> Ooh. There's a stunning interlude yeah. that's right in the middle of the album. And like the whole kind of kind of album is just like hinges on that moment. And we kind of shift out of what she's talking about in the first half into the second half. And it might be my favorite track. It's like just over a minute long or something. And I listen to it on repeat all the time because it's yeah. stunning. And it's just her voice like giving you vocal textures. What I really Amazing. love, it, it is just, to me, it feels like, oh, here's an idea. Like, here's an idea that, like, this is its full, like, its fullest form maybe is something else, maybe is not. But, like, here's just, like, a little snippet of, like, a, a musical moment. And I love that. Um, I love that. I also have to give a shout out to 
read my mind is like, oh, I love, like, is really, I'm grooving with it. Like, it just is so good. Okay, well, I if should we're going to continue. Music journalist because I'm not saying anything descriptive <laughs> at all. But I read this my song, mind. It's really good. It's, and it's this really other song. Good. I actually would describe it as good. <laughs> good. <laughs> wow. I mean, we could go through every song. Absolutely. We could. We really could. And maybe we should have devoted an entire episode to that, but that's not what we're here for. And apparently that's just the moment for the world. And there's more in store. <laughs> Correct. There's more in store. Um, I, speaking of the world and what's happening out, out in the world, um, famously, I don't know if you've heard, there is an election coming up. <laughs> People are calling it the most important election of our lives. <laughs> if we can keep it. Girl, I hope so. <laughs> um there's a lot of buzz. There's a VP pick coming soon. It maybe will come even between the time of this recording and the time of its release. Um, who knows? <laughs> but there, there is something that I wanted to say about elections, about voting, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it is, <laughs> it, you know, people are out here like, you know, if you are registered to vote, like you need to be out here voting. And there are people who are like, mm, no, that is deeply insensitive to the folks who have been disenfranchised of their votes. Specifically talking about black people, folks who have been incarcerated, who are disproportionately black, et cetera, et cetera. I just want to say that when someone is like, oh, if you can register to vote and you're eligible to vote and you don't vote, that you should feel bad about that. That that is not, <laughs> when I say that, I'm not talking about folks who have been disenfranchised of their vote. <laughs> like, I'm saying you should be voting on behalf of those people who can't vote. You know what I mean? Absolutely. First of all, I want to know who's saying this, Jerome. Because <laughs> I have not been seeing this, okay? <laughs> and I want to know what circles you're in because that, what do you mean? That's like, that just doesn't make any sense. That just doesn't make any sense to me to be like, oh, but don't like say go vote because there's some people who can't vote. And that's really, it's really kind of insensitive of you to kind of like not recognize. No, it's not quite like that. It's kind of the like, if someone says, oh, if you didn't vote in 2016, then you should feel bad and this is your fault. Which is like, to me, and maybe those people should be more specific in their language. It's just like, if the system has disenfranchised you of voting, that is extremely different from someone who has not been disenfranchised of their vote right. and simply decides not to vote, you know? Like, those are two different things. Like, extremely different things. Like, you would have stood, stood in a line waiting for your chance to vote and not because polling places are swamped in places across the country in 2016. Like, versus... Exactly. Just not, like, getting in your car and driving to the poll. That's yeah, versus, sweet. like, oh, I didn't feel, oh, I'm not political. Like, <laughs> that is a mess. That's a mess. Um, yeah, all this is to say... Go vote. Go vote. Order your, uh, order your absentee ballot. Order it today. Like, pause the podcast. Go order your absentee ballot. Like, actually, like, the moment do, for the world is actually this 10 seconds of silence we're about to give you to pause and figure out where to go vote. I hope you did it. <laughs> I mean, I, that's all I can say. There are links in the description at your disposal, okay? Get into it. Let's get into it. Wow, speaking of getting into it and moving into it, um, we're going to actually send it to another amazing creator, another person who, who you know, is international in their acclaim. Um, mm, international to, superstar episode. Truly, truly. Um, I'm talking about one Miss Michaela Cole. Okay? Wow. If you haven't wow. been, if you haven't been watching, if you haven't been keeping up, keeping your pulse on, on the beats of the streets, Okay? <laughs> 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 Keeping your pulse on the beats of the streets, honey. Yeah, did that make sense? Maybe keeping your finger on the pulse, keeping your ear to the ground, keeping your nose to the grind. Any, anything else you'd like to add? No, that's all. 
Please proceed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that um, she is a stunning... She... Um, she... <laughs> she's giving you stunning writing and stunning um, narrative creativity in her most recent endeavor, I May Destroy You. Okay? Oh, absolutely. It's on HBO. Go check it out. I have to say that inspired by our conversation last week, I have... Uh, I've renewed my HBO Max subscription. Um, I've watched almost all of Veep in one week, and <laughs> I May Destroy You is next up on the list. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, so, so good. Um, and it's heavy. I mean, it really touches on on some heavy and timely things um, about hookup culture. It talks, talks about sexual assault and sexual violence. Um, and it does so in a way that I've never seen any sort of TV show or movie do before. It tackles it, and I think, in a really kind of, like, conscious and ethical way. Um, it's still diving into the meat of the issue without, like, engaging in the the, the re-traumatizing of the audience. Um, yeah. And you just have to see it. You have to see it. You have to go check it out. Michaela Cole, this is for you. <laughs> I love that. And I'm... Yes. I can't wait. We'll have to discuss. Okay, well, the last time... We were together here on the pod, you and I, Jerome. We were talking about, you know, the misnomer that is a canceled culture. Um, Correct. And misnomer indeed. <laughs> truly, truly, truly. And that, you know, what we do with misnomers, what some people have chosen to do with misnomers is to actually reclaim them. Okay? This is an incredible segue. <laughs> Because today we're talking more about you'd like to add. <laughs> iconic reclamations, okay? Iconic reclamations. I I wanted to, let's start with how this idea most recently incepted itself into my brain. I was doing some uh, research into in the library. Mis- not, not in the, the library. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> I am not a friend of libraries. <laughs> Jerome, how many books did you actually check out from the library when, when we were together, you know, kind of at a, at a university institution. Oh, at a, at an, at a, at a school with like an incredibly extensive library (laughs) collection, you know, millions of books. Um, the truth is that I checked out one book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I didn't even use it. That's actually, I checked it out to write a paper. And then after I checked it out, I changed the topic of my paper. And I almost turned it in late and didn't graduate. That's actually, a, that's true. Wow. <laughs> I love that. I mean, come to the red table with any and all <laughs> revelations you'd like to share. Um, I was doing some research online <laughs> into one Miss Brandy Carlisle. Um, who, if you don't know, I mean, you absolutely should. She's she's incredible. Um, she is a queer country singer-songwriter um, and writes a lot of really incredible music. I was watching this interview of her around the Grammys last year, I believe, and she had this song that was nominated for Record of the Year or Song of the Year um, Work. called The Joke. The lyrics are, let them laugh while they can, let them spin, let them scatter in the wind. I've been to the movies, I've seen how it ends, and the joke's on them. It's kind of this, like, empowering song Mm. for folks who are left aside, for folks who, you know, are not in the in crowd. Um, It's an anthem for queer folks, it's an anthem for women, it's an anthem for, like, all types of marginalized folks um, who are on the outside. Uh, and in this interview, she's talking about the song and she's kind of explaining why she wrote this song. Um, and she basically says that in her mind, she was always inspired by We Are the Champions, which is a Queen song, um, which of course everyone knows it's like, you know, the sports anthem, We Are the Champions, my friend. Like it's, you know... When your friggin' football team, when your high school basketball team wins the league, then, like, that is, like, (laughs) the song that you sing, Um, which, in my mind, is, like, 
very straight culture. It's very like, yeah, we're bros. Yeah, we are the champions and we'll keep on fighting till the end. But Brandy Carlisle says, yeah, in my mind, that is a, a queer anthem. And she goes on to say that like, that she, she wrote the joke because she didn't feel like learning the, she couldn't learn the chords to We Are The Champions. So she had to write her own song, which is iconic. But it got me thinking, like, you know what? Yes, Freddie Mercury is queer uh, and is a is a queer icon. And so why wouldn't this song be a queer anthem? Like, why shouldn't We Are The Champions be like an anthem of queer people of the marginalized who in the end will be the champions. And then it like recontextualizes the, all the lyrics too. Yeah. Like no time for losers becomes like, that's not like, that's not what I am. I'm a champion. Like it's. Yeah. Ugh. That's amazing. So like it really, (laughs) I mean, it makes me feel totally differently about the song. It is incredible. Um, yeah, we are the champions, my friends, and we'll keep on fighting till the end. I mean, that brings a tear to my eye when I think about, like, you know, when you think about marginalized people and and queer people in particular fighting to belong and fighting for acceptance and fighting to, you know, be a part of, of the world and fighting to have a, a place in our society at equal footing with everyone else. But then to even go beyond that and say, like, actually, instead of being on the margin, instead of being at the bottom of the barrel, we actually are the champions. Like, we actually are at the top. Like, of the world. we are something that you should aspire to be. Oh, that's just so good. Like, it's just so good. And I can't believe that, I can't believe that I was allowed to think that it was anything other than that. Right. Like, for for how many years have you heard, like you know, some, somebody somewhere being, we are the champion and being like, oh God, like I hate that. <laughs> like I have in the past said, I hate that song <laughs> because of those reasons. Not, I guess, for the, what the song is doing itself. Yeah. Yeah. When it, when it is a moment of empowering folks who do not see themselves as the champions, as opposed to like, you know, cementing in, oh yeah, like we are the champ, like, we're the winners. We've always been the winner. Oh, yeah, like, we're on top. It just is so great. So shout out to Brandy Carlisle for the idea of the reclamation. Um, Truly. And inspiring this episode of the podcast in which we shall discuss some of our favorite iconic reclamations. Wow. So in keeping with the theme of, you know, folk music, country music, um, and women who are out here reclaiming things for people around the globe... Um, I have to talk about Rhiannon Giddens. Absolutely. If you don't know. Yes, 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 yes. If you don't know. <laughs> well, if you don't know about me, I'm I'm that person who has historically said that like I love uh, I love music. I love all kinds of sound, all kinds of noise. But you know, I just can't quite like get into country music. I can't quite right. like get into folk music. That's just like not my thing. Like historically, that has been me. I have been that person. Yeah. Um and we've heard that before. You know, people right. say that all the time. Oh, you know, I love all types of music except country. Truly. Um, and here comes, onto the scene, a banjo playing, a fiddle playing, MacArthur Genius Grant, Grammy Award winning, <laughs> <laughs> Rhiannon Giddens. Incredible. I mean, if you don't know, if you don't know, she is um, a Black woman who has been really out here in that space, in folk music, in music, um, you know, that we, we think of like classic American music. Uh, mm-hmm. that has its Americana, roots. bluegrass, et cetera. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and her projects are all about reclaiming that space as a space for Black people explicitly. I mean, she, and she stopped, taught me things that I just didn't even know, like that Black people invented the banjo. Did you yeah, know that? that is a black instrument. <laughs> that that is something that I also only know from listening to her speak. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny that I often hear people talk about, you know, what are the true what are what is truly American music? Like so much of American music really comes from other places. Like what are the parts of of what are the genres of music? What are the styles of music that are truly American? Um 
And I often hear people talk about jazz, number one, that jazz feels like a thing that was a lot of different things brought together, combined, and 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 stewed, baked, and became jazz in America, right, in the early 20th century. Um, and then I also hear people talk about uh, gospel, about, um, like, like, gospel spirituals coming out of American black traditions coming out of slavery, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and also musical theater, actually. Uh, the <laughs> musical mm-hmm. theater is something that kind of was a combination of jazz plus like the operetta, plus, you know, this classical telling a story through a, a composed narrative. Um, and what's really interesting to me about all those things is that they are directly inspired or, or directly come out of black experience, right? That the truly, that there is no truly American music that has not been shaped by black people in America because black people in America are an essential piece of, of, of what happens in America. And so it's so interesting that like, you know, the the Americana, the country, the bluegrass, which also right. feels deeply American, like feels uniquely like this is from this part of the world, um, has somehow escapes that. Why would we think that, why do we culturally feel like, oh yeah, you know, Americana that like isn't black music, country, Western that isn't black music, everything, all music in America is black music. <laughs> like that just is true. That is the case. And I mean, and her work speaks to that particular disconnect, like about folk music, about Americana, about country music. And like she, in addition to being a performer and a songwriter and a vocalist, an instrumentalist, is also a, a music historian um, yeah. and a musicologist. And she's like done research on minstrel bands, minstrel music, and how, you know, how people basically donned blackface and appropriated black instruments and black sounds to create the sounds and the songs that we know today as Americana. It became world famous doing that. Um, and now her work is is part of like, part of recentering Black people in that discussion. Um, and it's been a, a personal window into that world that I felt like I just didn't have access to before. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's just so powerful to hear someone be like, no, this is your music too. You know, this is a space for you too. I, I was listening to her in this round table talking about like how she has had people tell her, oh, well, you, you know, you don't want to go to this convention or you don't want to go to this festival because, you know, people aren't going to like you or like uh, that there are a lot of white people there who are maybe not into folks who are not white being there too. Um and it's just incredible. And I mean, I don't want to say fearless. I'm sure there's a lot of fear that goes into it, but it's just so brave that she's like, you know what? This actually is my space too. They, I shouldn't be fearing them. I, I, I shouldn't be, you know, respecting the boundaries of their space. They should be respecting the boundary of my space. Like this is music that is mine, that is of my culture. And, and they need to know that. <laughs> like, and she, she talks about like, you know, when someone books me to speak or when someone books me to perform, rather, like, they know that I am going to speak. Like, they know that I'm going to talk about this, that this is an essential part of my performing this music. Right, right. Um, and I mean, I think it gets to what, you know, a kind of definition of reclamation can be. You know, it is, it's an active thing. It's a very active thing. It's not something that just, like, kind of happens and we and we understand things differently and now we don't talk about it anymore yeah. like this is work that must continually be continually be done because this same you know genre of music that we're talking about americana country folk those same places in in um you know the, the, the spectrum of musical genres like are places in which you know people have the music has been leveraged to disenfranchise people and mm-hmm. so to come into that space and try to make that um, try to recontextualize that, it's got to be an active fight. Um, and that's a part of what reclamation is. Um, yeah. You know, like we don't get to use the word queer lightly. Like that is a slur that has become an identification point. Absolutely. So if you're going to um, go check out Rhiannon, um, I would recommend checking out this project she did um, under the name Our Native Daughters with other um 
other women who are in this space. Um, it's just, there's a song called Mama's Crying Long, and it's it's amazing. I can't really speak about it until you until it's heard. It's amazing. Please go show, check it out. I love that. I think Rhiannon is is absolutely great. And if you ever have the opportunity to see her speak, to hear her perform, she really is. She's incredible. She is incredible. Um, continuing on in speaking about musical reclamation, um, I mean, if you know me, then you, <laughs> then you know that there is one particular, uh, there's one band that, that I have some particular feelings about. Um, I can't believe I'm saying this because the haters are going to cancel me. Um, <laughs> but it's it's the Beatles. It's it is the Beatles. The Beatles. Not to say that you know I hate the Beatles, even though I do sometimes say that kind of to be you know incendiary. But I just feel like. Here's my real thing. And I'm I want to make sure I get this right so I can just play this every time anyone asks me about the Beatles. <laughs> um there are so many, I mean, in thinking about, you know, the way that music is used to uh, to disenfranchise people, to is used as leverage to keep people on the inside and other people on the outside. Um I'm not saying this is true for all black people. I'm just saying that for me, I did not grow up listening to the Beatles. My family did not grow up listening to the Beatles. I don't know that I've ever had a conversation about the Beatles with my many aunts, uncles, grandparents, play cousins, etc. Okay, family. Um, <laughs> and we talk about music. Music is an, an essential part of our lives. We just aren't talking about the Beatles. So when people are like, oh yes, the Beatles are like this universal, everybody knows and we're all to get, uh, I don't know about all that. But uh, what I do know about is Earth, Wind & Fire. I do have to say <laughs> that. Um, and Earth, Wind & Fire has a cover of a Beatles song. Um, <laughs> the Beatles released Got to Get You Into My Life in 1966. Uh, and Earth, Wind, and Fire did a version of it in 1978. And when I tell you this is a reclamation. Now, let's let's really get into it. Because rock and roll, I mean, in th exactly in what we were just talking about, about Rhiannon, like, this is music that was music that black people were making, that was inspired by black musicians, that then white people, Elvis Presley, et cetera, et cetera, took and said, oh, no, this is rock and roll and that's for white people and if this, this is, is news for anyone music. listening sorry i just totally got you off. no please go ahead <laughs> but if this is news for anyone listening i mean the resources are out there they're mm -hmm. like the links mm -hmm. the resources can be found do a google the history of music in america is all about the co-opting of black voices exactly um yeah i don't i don't want to hear elvis presley without hearing little richard you know who we lost earlier this year. Mm. Um, and <laughs> I was looking at, this is totally unrelated. I was looking at this list of, <laughs> of it was like a Rolling Stone, the top 10 Little Richard songs that you have to hear. And when I tell you most of it was just nonsense words. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows Tutti Frutti, but it was like Tutti Frutti, uh, Mama Llama, uh, Tony Boney. <laughs> Truly nonsense words. Anyway, um, Earth, Wind, and Fire takes this song that the Beatles made. And, like, by the time this sort of sound, this rock and roll sound gets to the Beatles in the late 60s, um, you know, it's been scrubbed, whitewashed. Not to say that it's bad. It just is pretty uh, far removed from its origin. Um, and so what I love is that Earth, Wind, and Fire takes this song and totally reimagines it as this incredibly hot R&B funk, like, total re recreation of it. And that is reclamation. Like, that is what reclamation is. To say, Absolutely. okay, you took our music... You did your thing with it, go off, work. And that's not to say that it's bad. Like, if that is the music that you like, I do not shame anyone for liking it. But 
that Earth, Wind, and Fire says, okay, we see what you did, and now we're going to take it back. Like, hot potato, you took it, and now, like, we're having a conversation and we're <laughs> responding. And create something totally different and totally new with with that song. And it's just incredible. My only complaint is that it should be, like, you know, four minutes longer. <laughs> <laughs> it's right off the bat, too. When yeah. you're like... Oh, God to get you into my life. Isn't it that Beatles song? And you could play and it's like, it's like, oh, oh, this is new. This is new and improved and different. And actually, this is what I'm here for. Yeah. These incredible horn hits with like the widest vib in the world. It's incredible. I mean, it's, I literally could just listen to the song on repeat for, for hours, <laughs> hours on end. Um, that's what and, I'm and talking that's about. That's one of the few covers that they ever did. Yeah. Like they Which weren't, to me they're, they're not a like, cover band. Yeah, they're not a, they write their, like, <laughs> they consistently write their own stuff, do their own stuff. Um, but that they were like, we're going to take this particular song. Like, we see what you have done here and we're going to elevate it and respect it enough to say, okay, now we're going to take it and do our own thing with it. Um, and it just feels like, you know, the original Beatles song is great. It's good. It is a good song. It is a well-written song. Right. But it feels like, I don't know, just having heard the Earth, Wind, and Fire version, it feels like the Beatles version is like a demo. And then the Earth, Wind, and Fire version is like the completed track. You know what it really is serving me is in Dreamgirls when, <laughs> <laughs> when they do Cadillac Car. Um and <laughs> and the dreams are like no, it's not the dreams. It's whoever, whichever freaking character it is that sings Cadillac Car, and oh, it's word, like word, the word. funk version. And then the white people take it, and it's like got me a Cadillac, Cadillac, Cadillac. <laughs> it's like that's a that's an all right song. I just don't know why I personally would want that instead of the true version. <laughs> <laughs> you said, I'm not shaming anybody, but just know that this is the actual true version. <laughs> Actually, the truth is over here. If you want your bad version of the song, I'd, that's fine. That's If that's what you want. I'd, I don't want to make you feel bad for liking the bad music. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. What an inclusive kind of future you're building right there. Mm, mm. Speaking of inclusive futures... Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab the mic right back and hit you with this last reclamation. Um, we've been talking in music. We've been talking um, about black reclamations um, and about queer reclamations, and this is a queer reclamation, but um, not in music. Um, growing up, I loved the X Men. Work. <laughs> work X-Men. Which is like, I never got it. I, I just never understood it until more recently. I was like, why do I like this, like, kind of cheesy superhero, like, they're mutants, like, a mutant? What? Mutant? <laughs> <laughs> a mutant? <laughs> you know, I, but I loved it. I loved it. I, I used to watch all the movies like, every time a new one would come out, I'd go back to the beginning and, like, watch from X-Men, you know, that came out in 2000 or whatever, and watch all the way up, and then wait, and then watch all the way up again. I loved it. It spoke to me for some reason. I think partly, partly just because of identifying with that sense of, you know, there there are mutants in the story who are, are you know, in that universe. Um, people who have genetic mutations that allow them to do new things like, you know, control the weather, walk through walls, regenerate, etc. Um, and one of the main tensions of the comic book series and in the movies is that the government is trying to basically out these people because they're scared. They want to register mutants. They want to know who they are. Um, and, you know, they, they draw a parallel between that and, um, and in the movies specifically, um, the you know, uh, the type of outing and labeling that is used um, in Nazi Germany, that was used against Jewish people. Wow. Uh, and that's the comparison that they really strongly make in the film. And the, the way I felt like I entered into that was feeling queer. You know, it's, it's a hidden yeah. identification that, you know, 
growing up, I worried if someone was going to out me for. Um, and I think that was like my entry point in into these characters and into this world. Um, and now looking back at it, I understand X-Men as this amazing queer narrative. Wow. That's, and what I really love about that is that I never was into X-Men because I never was into like, you know, I only got into like superhero movies when it was like Avengers and everyone was talking about it, you know, but I never was like out here reading the comic books or watching the superhero movies as a kid like that. I was like briefly into Power Rangers, but it just felt like, you know, so not my space, not for me um, in a like hyper masculine way. Um, and whether that was true or not, it it's. I love that there was this space in there for folks who happen to find themselves in there to get all these other messages out of it. That that like that there was all these other layers, there was all this other symbolism of like, yeah, people have these hidden parts about them that that shouldn't make you not hidden, but hideable, you know? I think right. that that's such an interesting um an interesting layer of identity when it is like, do you reveal this part of yourself? As opposed to, you know, like race is something that most of the time is like, okay, I can see that, I can see your difference. Um, in thinking about types of difference that are, that are, you're able to conceal. Um, and that that's what X-Men is about. Like that makes right. me want to get into all of it. <laughs> Um, and I mean, it flies kind of in the face of other comic book material, especially of the time, um, and mm. it's, and other you know superhero movies that we get that are like really focused on one character. You've got your Batman trilogies, and you've got your Superman, um, and you know, right now, you know, in the Marvel of it all, we're getting into the like, oh, we have somebody's movie, somebody else's movie over here, and then we'll combine them. But X Men starts out in that space. It starts out as like this is a cast of people all trying to figure out how to move with and in in this world that doesn't want them to really be here. Um, and that, I mean, that is just, that's a, a, a queer approach to, to even writing. Um, and I think that's, I think it's beautiful. I love it. I really love it. I love it. You're going to make me watch X-Men. <laughs> Never thought you'd say that. I... And I deny it. I actually still even now deny it. I deny saying it. <laughs> Iconic reclamations. I'm sure there are millions that that we're forgetting. One <laughs> that I'm forgetting in particular <laughs> that I want to bring up um, is the rainbow itself in talking about, about queerness. Um, <laughs> and I do have to call us back to... Uh, we were in Japan with our acapella group, Kenny and I. We were, um, we had like just flown in and it was this long flight. And so we were so, so tired. And these wonderful hosts, or maybe I shouldn't say wonderful, but they were very kind, uh, <laughs> were taking us to, from the airport to our, to where we were staying. And we were very tired. And this very kind woman was really trying to, you know, keep up the conversation and talk with us. Um, but we weren't really paying attention because we were asleep. Like we were just asleep in the falling back of the car. out in the back of the car. Absolutely. Um, and <laughs> and she started saying something about the rainbow flag. Um, and so immediately our ears broke up. <laughs> yeah, we're awake now. We're awake. <laughs> and she says something about like you know in America they've co-opted the the rainbow they've co-opted the flag to mean to mean like you know lgbtqia plus my words not hers um and i just think it's so funny to remember that that in many ways is a reclamation too like you know people will say this all the time on the internet like oh yes the you know, the rainbow is of God <laughs> and <laughs> queer people are taking away the rainbow to mean something that it doesn't mean. Um, and that's whack. And reclamation is everywhere. That's, that's all, all it is that, that reclamation is truly all over the place. And it happens every day because 
I mean, people have to, we have to reclaim space in order to live in it. We have to reclaim language in order to be seen and be represented by the language that we use. We have to reclaim symbols in order to have symbols that actually represent who we are. Or else there are people that are out here writing Black people out of history, writing them out of the future, writing queer people out of the narratives and out of the stories. And that makes it seem like those people don't exist when it's like, no, (laughs) we're right here and we're reclaiming it all. Incredible. I'm excited to see more out in the world. I like, I'm excited to look through the world with an eye toward how is, where is the reclamation? Absolutely. Please send us in the reclamations you, you see. I want to, I want to know more. Canyon to finish this off. Let's, uh, let's do a little respect the binary. (laughs) This is us actually reclaiming that phrase. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. This is a reclamation. (laughs) um why don't you go first today okay well i know that you know you and i are both we're out here talking about language we're talking about you know writing ourselves in and out of cultures and you and i both you know are um you know we're mac users we've got our 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 mac laptops that we used to you know write things on and i want to know (laughs) i want to know are you a Microsoft Word user or an Apple Pages gal? I can't believe this is even a question, actually. Um, <laughs> oh, oh. Because Pages is garbage. <laughs> oh, no. Look at what we've done. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I have to say Microsoft Word. Um, that being said, Microsoft Word is like something that you have to pay for, and I've never paid for it. And so... I don't know who's paying for it, but someone is paying for me to use Microsoft Word. Um, And I appreciate whoever that is. Whoever you are out there, thank you for whatever little Microsoft Word download you've given me. Kenyon, please don't tell me your Apple pages. So it's it's precisely for that reason that you know that it is something that, that no one's out here paying for me. Perhaps actually I am paying for you. To use it actually. <laughs> okay. But no one's out here paying for me to get some Microsoft Word. So I mean, all I need is a is a word processor, a blank, a blank page, a clickety clack, and uh and that's how the magic but happens. Do, what if you have to send it to someone else? Like what if you have to type something on your computer and make it appear on someone else's computer? You know, I believe in the in the transformative power of of exporting things different file types <laughs> i when i tell you i've deleted the pages application from my computer no i, I couldn't open it if i wanted to no pages sucks can it pages drum i i just want you to know that i'm not really debating you on that but i'm kind of debating you on <laughs> just accessibility availability you know okay <laughs> we're in that binary so uh, what We're do you have for us? Let's, let's meet. Let's meet in the middle at at Google Docs. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, I have, I have a binary that is. It's basic. It's ultimate. It's 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 fundamental. Um, wait, I pause. The binary wait, is wait. <laughs> basic, ultimate. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It you find it at the most basic level of our human existence. That's what wow. I mean. Wow. Okay. Wow. Um, it's it's peanut butter and jelly. You have to choose between peanut butter and jelly. Between peanut butter and jelly, which side are you on? I. Wow. You know this is tough. Um, but I have to all, I, I think I always stick up for the little guy. And so, you know, <laughs> I think of myself as being with, with the peanuts kind of mm. with the peanut butter. Um, you would say that crunchy, creamy, that. salty, unsalted, almond, cashew, and peanut. I'll take it all. Okay. I'm an inclusive nut butter user, sunflower butter. You know that one, but it's definitely that. I don't know actually the last time I used, a spread or a jam or a marmalade or a jelly. Yeah, it's actually very interesting that you say you're sticking up for the little guy when actually you, you're you lobbying for big PB. <laughs> That's actually what's happening. Um, 
And and just to be clear, we didn't plan this. We didn't specifically, we didn't plan out that someone was going to pick one, the other was going to pick the other, but I knew you were going to pick peanut butter. Peanut butter, I'm going to go out and say it. Peanut butter is gross. <laughs> Don't. <butter> is disgusting. <laughs> Uh, and I fully, I'm team jelly. I'm actually team strawberry jam. Grape jelly actually is gross. But I'm going to say strawberry, a strawberry jam. Smuckers? Ugh, that's good. Peanut butter is, you deal with the peanut butter to get to the, the jam, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I am insulted. Mm. Me and, and my associated nut friends are insulted. Well, let me just say... Uh, Big PB, we're taking you down. We're taking you down. And I'm here to fight for who is actually on the margin, uh, which is, well, I guess if we're talking about margins, then we're talking about the crust. Let's just say that. <laughs> Good statement. And I'm a crust proponent. Oh, no. Oh, are you anti-crust? We can't get into that right now. We've already done two okay. binaries. And... And I don't think I can handle it anymore. <laughs> well, Kenyon, I love that we end these episodes with division. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's exactly what we're trying to kind of sow into the world. Um, so. <laughs> so that's what we want to share. Um, once again, I'll ask same time next week. Yeah, actually, that'll work for me. Okay, great. You're not doing anything? Well... My G-Cal is actually really full, but I know yours is open, so we'll just... Mm. I'll just throw something on wow. that works for me, and then I'll... Sticking up for the little guy. As <laughs> <usual>. <laughs> I'm, I'm reclaiming my time. <laughs> Goodbye! Bye. Thanks for listening, divas! We Love That is brought to you by Kenyon and Jerome. Our music is by Sophia Campomore, and our art is by Griffin Keller. And please drop us a line at welovethatpodcast at gmail.com. The course of the joke is uh, let them laugh while they can, let them spin, let them. <laughs> no, no more lyrics. <laughs> I thought that it was just going to come to me. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> I did. And it's that's true. the joke, really. <laughs>